The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Welcome back to Real Real Estate Today, and I'm your host, Deb Tomorrow. Thank you for joining us again for another look at what's real in real estate. We had a fun show last week and hoping to continue the trend, so appreciate you joining us again. I am joined, uh, just like last week, by Karen Rastel, who is the best lender in the state of Indiana. And I would say, if you were licensed in all 49 states, you'd be the best in those states, too. I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me back. No problem. Uh, So as you're listening along with the show, everyone out there, I invite you to find us on Facebook. That's Deb Tomorrow Realtor. You can find me, Rachel, my sweet as an angel, but mouth like a sailor, associate producer. We'll be putting up some links to things that we're talking about today. You can message either Karen or I on that as well. So check out there. There's a lot of good information there. So last week, our show was a little bit of an introduction. We talked about reality TV shows and how real estate reality shows aren't necessarily real um, or aren't necessarily a good place to get your real estate knowledge and advice. And Karen, I know last week you mentioned your favorite show was... I am recanting that. Why? Oh, well, because... I could not think of the name, but honestly, my favorite reality show is The Fixer Upper with okay. Chip and Joe. That's the one I was hoping you were, hoping okay. you were going to say. Because after you said that, I thought, you know, everybody's always talking about that Chip and Chuck and Do- Joanna show, and so I need to go find some episodes and watch. So I did. I went back last week, and I watched a couple, and they weren't annoying at all. So I thought that was really cool. But one thing I noticed about it was that I heard, and you can tell me because you've seen these episodes, I heard the term shiplap about 18 times per episode. Yeah, that's true. That's Joanna's favorite word. She says that in oh, every episode. She really likes shiplap. And I have to say, I've never heard that term before. And I don't know if that's because, like, here in Indiana, we're just like, hey, we got wood walls. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah. so. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I got, so then as I was like working on this show, I got all distracted and I started researching what the word shiplap means. And from what I can gather, it's never actually been used on ships. Um, so. Here you go. It's another reality show myth that's been debunked. Shiplap, never used on ships. You heard it here first. Um, But it's one of those words, after I started Googling it over and over again, I realized that the more you say it, the weirder it sounds. I could see how that... Shiplap, shiplap, shiplap. So anyways, if you have shiplap in your house... I would love for you to send me some pictures on Facebook, post them on uh, my Facebook page, Deb Tomorrow Realtor. Uh, And if you happen to know the true origin of the word shiplap, uh, if you could tweet that to me or email that to me at deb at realestatetoday.com. Should the hashtag be 
shiplap. We should probably hashtag shiplap. We'll start I think a trend. So. Can yes, we get that trending? That. Let's do Worldwide that. Worldwide trending in 20 minutes, as Jimmy Fallon <laughs> would say, <laughs> shiplap. Um, and maybe Joanna will listen in on this. Very possible. Because she seems awful nice. Um, so today's show, boy, I sure digressed there, didn't I? Uh, today's show, we're going to talk about 10 things you need to know about working with a realtor. Um, I realize that realtors are a little bit of a mystery. You know, once or twice a year, I get an email from someone who thinks they might want to be a realtor, and they ask if they can meet with me and ask me some questions, and I love doing this kind of thing. Um, yesterday, I had such a person in my ha- in my uh, office, and so I have to give a shout out to Hannah because I told her mom I would. So hi, Hannah. Um, and she asked me some great questions, um, and it always just reminds me that just like I don't truly understand what like a proctologist does or how they run their business, I probably don't want to understand that, but I don't. I think most normal and healthy people don't understand how real estate works or how a realtor's business is set up and how things are supposed to work. So other than, you know, reality TV, which is where we get all of our information, I'm kind of a broken record on that, but anyways. Um, So that's what we're going to talk about today, 10 things you need to know about working with a realtor. Now, I'll tell you, I probably won't get through all 10 of those things because last week I had 10 things you need to know about Deb, and I got through about four of them. So (laughs) we'll put them up on Facebook if we don't get through everything. And Karen, as always, chime in with any wisdom that you might have. So first thing I want to talk about is what is a realtor? What does that mean? How did realtors come to be and why does it matter? Why should you as a consumer care? Um, So to sell real estate, you have to have a license, but that's actually a state thing. You don't have to be a realtor. Okay, so real estate agent, different than a realtor. I know. Karen's taking notes now. I'm taking notes on this. Uh Uh, You can tell everyone at at the next party that you're at and make you look really smart, right? It's a party game. So a realtor is actually a member of the National Association of Realtors. So around the turn of the 20th century, a little history lesson, around the turn of the 20th century, more people were moving to the cities. Uh, it wasn't Little House on the Prairie time where Pa was building the you know, house in, this, in his spare time. Um, so more houses were being built in the city and banks began being willing to loan money to people to buy homes. But at that same time, then swindlers started popping up. They were literally standing on street corners um, and trying to peddle land and sell things like swampland in Florida or whatever that didn't actually exist. So in 1908, a group of, uh, actually they were men, (laughs) uh, got together and formed the National uh, Association of Real Estate Exchanges that was formed on May 12th, 1908 at the YMCA Auditorium in Chicago, Illinois. There were 120 founding members. There were 19 boards and one state association. And their objective was to, quote, to unite the real estate men of America for the purpose of effectively exerting a combined influence upon matters affecting real estate interests. Now I'm going to interject here and say that about 60% of realtors are women today, so things have changed in the last 100 years. Um, but I thought that was interesting. It sounds a little a little harsh, a little pretentious, exerting a combined influence on matters affecting real estate interests. But in 1913, this group uh, put together a code of ethics, and, uh, and that was adopted. And it explained that a little bit more. Um, and this is one of the first things that I learned um, as a realtor. One of my first brokers would talk about this all the time. So um, this code of ethics is something that really drives us, uh, and we make decisions based on it daily. And it starts with this preamble. It's like the Constitution. It's the Constitution of the National Association of Realtors. And so I want to read this. It's a little bit of a long paragraph, so I apologize. But I'm going to do my best to kind of sound really dramatic, like I'm making a speech in Congress or something. Um, and it starts off like this. <clears throat> 
Under all is the land. Upon its wise utilization and widely allocated ownership depend the survival and growth of free institutions and of our civilization. Realtors should recognize that the interests of the nation and its citizens require the highest and best use of the land and the widest distribution of land ownership. They require the creation of adequate housing, the building of functioning cities, the development of productive industry and farms, and the preservation of a healthful environment. So I know that's a little lofty, but what it's really saying is that real estate leads the economy and that we have an obligation to make sure that people are making smart decisions. I think we talked about that a little bit last week, making smart decisions about that um, because under all of us, there is a piece of land under your feet right now. Look down piece of land. So um, if you think about it, and I'm not an economist, but if you think about it, the um, the housing market historically leads us in and out of recessions. Um, in the last recession, about 40% of job losses were directly related to the housing market. And this uh, affects you know construction jobs, real estate jobs, mortgage jobs, and you just see it um, spiral from there. So, um, and that's why I think we look at it as really important and we feel like we need to have this group that's going to kind of protect that. So that's what a realtor is. Now, to me, what's more important than either, than even the preamble is um, the oath. Did you know we take an oath? Have you ever seen realtors take an oath, Karen? I have. Yeah. yeah. We, so anytime we have a new realtor, we swear them in and we all stand up and we take the oath. Um, and it you know, I know we're not brain surgeons. I know this isn't like the, what's that called? The Hippocratic Oath? I'm going to sound like an idiot because I don't know what that, that's the what doctors it, take. Yes, okay. Yes. Uh, you know, but still, the, the oath that we take is based on the golden rule, treating others as we'd want to be treated. So I'm going to share with you what that oath is. Well, I think I, it's easier than memorizing the preamble. It probably is. Yeah. It is, but not quite as easy as the Gettysburg Address. <clears throat> I'm going to stand up, raise my right hand and do this. So, uh, hold on. We, uh, I lost my place here, huh? I pledge myself to protect the individual rights of real estate ownership and to widen the opportunity to enjoy it, to be honorable and honest in all dealings, to seek better to represent my clients by building my knowledge and competence, to act fairly towards all in the spirit of the golden rule, to serve my community and through it, my country, and to always conduct myself in conformity with the ideals and objectives as set forth in the Realtor Code of Ethics. So my whole point in this, and that was probably the most boring part of the, point, part of the show. <laughs> I feel like that was a little dry. But um, the, the whole point is that um, as a realtor, not just someone with a real estate license, but as a realtor, we do hold ourselves to a higher standard and we hold each other accountable to meeting those standards. So I certainly encourage you that as you're uh, talking to people and, and someone you know, you're talking to someone who has a real estate license, just make sure they are a realtor. Most of them are, but some of them choose not to be. Um, and I definitely encourage you to um, talk with people who are realtors. Um, number two that I want to talk about real briefly is licensing requirements. I mentioned this before. In order to sell real estate, you have to be licensed in the state. You take a class, and then you have to pass that class. Then you have to take a state exam. And then we have to take continuing education every year to keep our license current. So that's to have a real estate license. But in order to be a realtor, after you do all of that, then you join the National Association of Realtors, you take the oath, you join your state association of realtors, and you join your local board of realtors. So it's just taking it a little bit of a step further. Is that pretty similar to the requirements that to become a mortgage lender, or is it completely different? 
Well, for me, I work for a mortgage banker. So I am required to take a state license as well as a federal exam in order to get my individual NMLS number uh, to allow me to do residential mortgage loans for the state that I'm taking the test in. So for me, I just hold the Indiana license. Um, we have enough rules and regulations in our state that I'd like to just stick with those. But I do work with other lenders in my company that also hold licenses in Florida, um, Ohio, and just other states. Interesting, because I know in real estate, um, that reminds me of something I wanted to bring up, too, that we do are just licensed pretty much for our state. And we could certainly help people anywhere within the state. But it doesn't really make sense for me to help someone in an area if I'm not, you know, 200 miles away that I'm not very comfortable. And people try to do it all the time. But um, it's not necessarily a great idea um, because I'm not an expert in that area. So just like you said, you're not an expert in Arizona loans. No. And even if it's in a part of the state that even though in Indiana that I could do the lending on, um, I don't know that market. Mm -hmm. And and so I will refer that out to someone else within my company who can better service that that uh, client's needs. And it's interesting because one of the, in our code of ethics, it states that we have an obligation to not work outside of our knowledge level, or I'd say our, you know, our comfort zone, uh, if we are not an expert in a certain area and someone approaches us to help them work in that certain area, that we really have an obligation to make sure that they're served well if, that, if we're not able to serve them well. So, which kind of brings me to the, you know, I know you know people all over the country, I know people all over the country, so through this show we can certainly help people even though it's not in our necessarily in our designated area. So we're going to go ahead and go to our first break. Uh, be sure to check us out on Facebook while you're listening to the break ads, and we will be right back in a few minutes. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we're back. We are talking today about 10 things you need to know about being a realtor, I am joined by Karen Rastel, lender extraordinaire, and uh, we are through the driest portion of the show. 
I should, probably shouldn't say that because people probably thought it was really fascinating. I thought it was a little dry, but I thought it was good information people needed to know. Now we're going to get into the good nitty gritty stuff. So number three thing you need to know about a realtor, who pays the realtor? I know some of you probably know this. If you've bought or sold a house, you've kind of gotten them figured out. But first time buyers are often very confused about this, which is understandable because I don't know how a proctologist gets paid. So why would people know how a realtor gets paid? So it's one of the most common questions people have. Yesterday when Hannah came in to talk to me about being a realtor, she asked, me how much my base salary was and I laughed and laughed no I didn't it's a good question it's a question we get all the time but we are strictly commission based there is no sales there is no income which is incredibly terrifying um, but once you kind of get over that fear then it's a little exhilarating we often um, say it's kind of like a roller coaster um, typically our commission is negotiated between the listing agent and the seller and then the listing agent agrees to share a portion of that commission if another agent brings a buyer so technically, really, it's the seller that pays. The buyer never has to pay for a commission out of pocket unless there's a side deal or something that's negotiated in some markets. They may do buyer's agents and things like that. Um, but typically, I'm just kind of telling you what the norm is. Um, and so the seller's probably getting the money from the sale of the house. So I guess you could trace it way back and say, well, that my money's coming from the buyer. So maybe the buyer really is paying for it. But ultimately, the seller is the one in charge of determining who gets paid what. Um, so one question that I think people are afraid to ask, but I know is on their mind is that when you're on the buying side, why would you help me get the house for the lowest price if you're being paid as a percentage of the sales price, right? Commission's usually a percentage um, of the sales price. So what's my motivation as the buyer's agent to get you the lowest deal possible? Because if I pay more for the house aren't you going to get paid more, right? Does that question make sense, Karen? It does, and it goes back to the first segment of the show. Right, see how I tie it all mm -hmm. in together? See, I had to give you the knowledge first, and now we're going to apply that knowledge. Um, okay, so yeah, it seems like that would be true, but one of the things is what Karen said. It comes down to that Realtor Code of Ethics. Article 1 states of our Code of Ethics states that when you're representing a buyer, a seller, a landlord, a tenant, or any other client as an agent, Realtors pledge themselves to protect and promote the interests of their clients um, above and beyond their own personal interests. So some of it is ethics. You just kind of have to, and that's why you want to have a realtor, um, because we have sworn to uphold those code of ethics. But the other thing I always tell people is, like, realistically, an extra $5,000 on a $200,000 house, like an extra $5,000 in purchase price, is not that much in terms of commission. And so it certainly is not worth burning a bridge and risking losing a client for life, um, you know, over a couple hundred dollars. Um, so that's something to kind of consider too, that I think most of us are in this for the long haul. We want to create relationships and we're going to create more winning relationships by getting our client the best deal possible. So does that make sense? It does. They do the same on the mortgage loans. Um, a lot of times people are qualified for a higher amount than they're comfortable with. And, you know, as a lender, I shouldn't I shouldn't say, oh, well, you really should go up in this price range because on paper you qualify. It's more about what the needs of that client, the client is, and whether or not they're comfortable making that mortgage payment in the end for the next 15, 20, 30 years. Right. I know I always tell people that the two most common complaints that I hear um, about realtors is one, they don't call me back. And we're going to talk about that later in the show. And two, that they want me to spend more than I want to spend. 
Now, sometimes that may be a function of what you want is, you know, what do they say, the beer budget, champagne taste and beer budget. So what you want, you're not going to be able to get on your budget. You do have to be realistic. And sometimes, you know, the realtor is just trying to educate you on that. Um, But, uh, you know, it is true sometimes that they'll push you a little bit harder. So because they know you can qualify for more. So I try to be really sensitive to that, too. All right. Now, oh, this is getting a little heavy again, too. So now we're going to talk about a couple of legal issues because this, from the realtor standpoint, I'm kind of being selfish in this show, and I'm like, what do I want people to know? What would make my life easier and my fellow realtor's life easier if people understood a little bit more about? So we're going to talk about limited agency. You know what that is, right, Karen? I do know what that means in layman's terms, okay. but... That I'm, might be good. I might have to have I'm you I'm on the edge of my seat. I am on right. the edge of my seat to hear this. <laughs> One of the most common ways that people stumble upon a realtor is that they call the name on the sign in front of the house that they love, right? And Karen, who does that realtor represent? That realtor represents the seller. Good job. You get a gold star today. So that's right. That realtor <laughs> represents the seller. When you call the name, I'm going to repeat this. When you call the name on the sign in front of the house, and that listing agent shows you the house, that realtor is representing the seller. Now, if it's my name, call me. Totally, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, when there's only one agent involved in the transaction, that's called limited agency, or in some states they call that dual agency. Um, I have a little blurb I wanted to read to you because someone explained it far better than I did about agency relationships. And this goes for agency is created, this concept of agency, is created when one person agrees to act on another's behalf or represent them in dealings with a third party. So you can have like an attorney that creates an agency relationship. And the laws state that once that agency relationship is established, that the agents owe their clients what are called fiduciary uh, duties. That's a good word. You can't say that word without sounding drunk. Fiduciary. Um, Fiduciary duties of loyalty and obedience. So again, think about it in terms of an attorney. Um, They're typically required to place their client's interests ahead of their own, providing services with honesty and good faith while avoiding conflicts of interest. Okay, so that's what an agency relationship is. So that's my obligation to my client is to put their needs first um, and be loyal and obedient. I hate that word. Yeah, but anyways, but that's what I have to be, loyal and obedient like a good puppy. Um, So a single agency situation is when the broker or the agent, the realtor, represents the interest of either the buyer or the seller, but not both, either the buyer or the seller alone, uh, either as a listing agent or as the buyer's agent. But in a dual agency or a limited agency, there's a loan, one loan agent, one uh, single agent who provides services to both the buyer and the seller. And without an obligation to represent the best interests of either. So what does that mean? Um, So for example, if I were in a limited agency situation, I couldn't tell you how much you should offer for the house. Because that wouldn't be fair to the seller. And I have to make sure that I'm you know, treating both parties equally and not giving one party fair advantage over the other. I couldn't, if I were representing the seller, I couldn't stalk the buyer on Facebook and try and figure out what their motivation was or what their, um, you know, job is. And, oh, they could qualify for more money. You should, uh, you know, we should counter back a lot higher or something like that. Um, I have to just stay like Switzerland and be really neutral. So this isn't always a bad thing. I know I asked Karen earlier today, do you have any bad limited agency stories? 
I, I don't. I honestly don't. I have had some, um, I've had some, but they've all turned out well. And I know it puts that particular agent in a very tough spot because sometimes they'll come, you know, the buyer will come back to the lender and ask for my opinion. And that is not my area of expertise. So, but I think the ones in our market that represent both sides do a fair and I guess I would say upstanding job to make sure that both both sides that they're um, Switzerland to both yeah, sides. Right. You know, it's like I said, it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes the transactions do go a lot smoother because you're taking one less person out of the equation. So everything goes a lot quicker. Um, but it is hard. It's always for me, it's much more stressful because I am, you know, double and triple checking everything I do to make sure that it's fair and that it's equitable and that nobody feels slighted. Um, I think inspection negotiations are the hardest part with that because you're always just someone always feels like something's a bigger deal than the other party and just trying to kind of communicate that. And you can't really give people the level of advice because you're trying to be fair about it. Um, I do think there has to be trust involved for it to work. I think that if the seller and the buyer both trust the realtor, um, you know, the most successful times is when there's sort of an established relationship uh, between the the buyer and the realtor and the seller and the realtor so that there's some established trust. But one thing that um, I, I think would surprise people is that they actually are supposed to disclose that to you up front. So if you call the realtor whose name is on the sign in front of the house, realtor are probably going to hate me for doing this segment, uh, revealing all the secrets. Um, if you call the name that's on the sign in front of the house, before that door opens and that realtor walks through that front door with you, they need to explain to you about limited agency and make sure that you agree to it. And I have to tell you, it's an awkward conversation. Because the person's just like, why are you telling me this? I don't really care. I just want to see the house. Because most people don't realize that limited agency is, you know, a special situation. Um, they just want to, you know, they're standing on the front porch and it's freezing cold and they just want to get inside. Now, do you try to have that conversation before meeting the client at the house so that at least you have that conversation and that part is? Yeah, whenever it can be done. I mean, sometimes showings just get set up quickly over text message too. So it's hard to do that. Um, and I think we can probably all do a better job of making sure that people understand that. Typically in a listing contract, it's uh, when we sign that with a seller, it's already disclosed in there that they give you permission. Now a seller may choose to say, no, I don't want to do limited agency. So that means that if someone did call as the listing agent to see the house, that that listing agent would need to refer them to another realtor so that they have their own representation because um, you have to consent to it. I've never really had a, a seller say, no, I don't want that because I understand I'll probably be more motivated to sell the house to someone. Um, but I did find it interesting as I was doing a little bit of research on this topic that um, there are some states where it is illegal that you are not allowed to do dual agency or limited agency. Um, I think there was about eight states that were uh, you weren't allowed to do that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So find out what the laws are in your state. Um, find out, you know, think about how you feel about limited agency. Um, and take a deep breath before you uh, get really excited about that house you love and you call the uh, name on the sign. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more as we go along about um, – procuring costs. That's going to be our next fascinating topic. It's going to involve me trying to pronounce some Latin words, so that should be quite entertaining. Um, but 
as my mother would say, not putting the cart before the horse. Um, there's really a good uh, uh, order of things to do, uh, do things in, in real estate. And really getting a realtor first should come before looking at houses. But realistically, nobody does that. Um, they lay in bed in the middle of the night looking at Zillow and Trulia and all those wonderful websites on their iPad and they get excited about a house and then they just kind of jump and uh, really they should have established when they decided that it was time to buy a house they really should have established a relationship with a realtor first of course I'm a realtor saying that so I guess I'm a little uh, prejudiced in, in, in that and then they need to talk to a lender so we are going to uh, move on and talk about uh, procuring cause. I don't think I'm going to get into it. I'm going to go to a break first so that we uh, don't have to interrupt in the middle of Latin pronunciation class. So we'll go to a break. Be back in a few minutes. News. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we're back talking about 10 things you need to know about realtors. Over the break, we were discussing that it feels like maybe we need to have a test at the end of all of this because it feels I'm feeling a little school marming today. So we may have to lighten things up and. Uh, well, I mean, I think you could test the listeners. I don't. I don't think it's fair to test your you? your co-hosts and producer. I think there may be a test involved. <laughs> you you took some notes, so I did take some. That notes. was impressive. All right, let's talk about. So we talked about limited agency and how you can be stuck in a situation where there's uh, only one realtor involved and you don't necessarily have your own representation. So you decide you don't want to do limited agency. You want your own representation. But what happens if the listing agent has already shown you the house? No big deal, right? You just call up your favorite realtor, have them write up the offer, right? Um, I believe the answer is no. Excellent. Good job. Wrong. That gets us into a procuring cause situation. Now, buyers and sellers probably don't care so much about this because they just want the darn house or they want the house sold. But as realtors, this is one of the things that keeps us up at night. Um, and, uh, And it happens more often than you think. So here is the legal definition of procuring cause. A realtor who is the procuring cause of a sale is a, here's the Latin word, 
Oh, I can't say that. Sine qua non. I had to look it up on YouTube on how to say it, and I watched it over and over again, and then I wrote down the phonetic pronunciation, and I still butchered it. Now I sound like a Southern Indiana girl. Um, but the sale would not have occurred but for the broker's efforts. So typically what this means is that the, per- the realtor is taking the call, scheduling the appointment, showing the house. And if those things hadn't happened, then the buyer wouldn't be compliant, com- inclined to make an offer on the house. So whoever has procuring cause on a sale is the one who gets paid. So there is procuring cause on every single real estate transaction. Does that make sense? And so whoever does that gets paid. So imagine if a realtor spends a year, and it happens, showing houses. Sometimes people take two years. That's fine. But spends all this time showing houses to a buyer. And then a different realtor turns around and just writes the offer for one of those houses and gets paid for the efforts. So procuring cause is something that sort of keeps business fair and keeps us all on the up and up. What gets tricky is, and there's all kinds of stories out there about buyers not telling us that they had already seen the house with another realtor. I had a listing once and these people called me. It was on Labor Day. I had family in town from Texas and they texted me and they said, we have to see this house today. And of course, best interest of my sellers, I dropped everything and I went and showed them the house. And I followed up with them a few times. They said they were still thinking about it. And then another realtor brought me an offer on the house. I said, great. We negotiated the offer. Everything's fine. And then I started looking at the name and I was like, wait a minute. These are the people that I showed the house to on Labor Day. So technically, I had procuring cause in that situation. But they never told the realtor who wrote the offer up, they never told him that they had been in the house before. So it's like it's not really the other realtor's fault, except because you don't often, it's like the first question out of your mouth, like, have you ever been in this house before? Right. I don't ask that so, <laughs> before every showing. So how how do you, how did you handle that situation or how do you handle these situations it's, in general? There's not like a hard and fast rule. It kind of goes back to um, having good communication with the other realtor and trying to work out something that everybody's happy with. So um, now here's another example. Um, I had uh, some people call me, this was a couple years ago. We're coming into town to look at houses, and it just happened to be a weekend that I was going to be out of town. And so I offered to hook them up with a substitute realtor, someone who was covering for me, to show them some houses. And they said, no, no, that's okay. And they called another realtor. That realtor showed them a bunch of houses. Well, flash forward a month. I hadn't heard anything from the people. Flash forward a month, they call me again, and they said, we didn't really like the other realtor who showed us houses. We want you to show us houses now. I said, all right, that's fine. I can do that. Um, And so they give me the list of houses they want to see, and they point out one house in particular, and they said, we really love this house. We've already seen it, and we think that's the one for us. We just want to look at a couple others to make sure. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. How, How did you, when did you see this other house? And they said, well, that other realtor showed it to us. I said, well, I can't help you with that. Oh, did they get mad? They were so mad. And I was like, it's law, man. It's not my fault. So um, I don't know what happened to them because they just didn't like the answer that I had to give them. So um, that's why I feel like building that relationship with a realtor up front is so important because once someone shows you a house, you're kind of sort of stuck with them. So that's why it's kind of putting the cart before the horse. I do want to mention, though, that open houses don't generally count in this rule. Um, so you can go to an open house. If you love the house, you can call your realtor up, and they can represent you through that transaction. So that makes sense? 
It does. That's good to know because I know we have tons of open houses every weekend and and that's where I feel like a lot of buyers as myself, we went into one of those feeling a little bit less pressure because we just wanted to go in and see the layout of the home and would it suit our family's needs and that kind of stuff. So, um, of course, we didn't use a realtor in that purchase. <gasps> as what you said earlier, we had no idea that the buyer or that the uh, commission or that the realtor fees would be paid from the seller. So... So what did you do? Did you use the listing agent, basically? Were you in a limited agency situation? That, would, I guess, would be what it was. Okay. Yes. Yes. And But it went smoothly. It did. Yeah. It did. It can. I think we got lucky. I'm right. knocking on wood. Yeah, right. we got lucky. That was 11 years ago. Yep. Okay. And I think, you know, as realtors, we certainly like that opportunity, but we also want everybody to be happy in the end. Um, a couple tips since you bring it up about open houses. Um, I'm going to tell you to lie. If you don't have a realtor... It's okay to tell people, the, the realtor at the open house, that you do have a realtor. Just tell them Deb Tomorrow is your realtor. It's okay. I don't care if you're in California or Iowa. Just tell them Deb Tomorrow is your realtor. Um, but you, you're encouraging people because? Because you, know, you want to go through the open house. You don't want that pressure. Realtors use open houses to try and pick up buyers. I think that's fair to say. I think we could all read that on the internet. Um, open houses can sell houses. Open houses are great opportunities for sellers to get feedback on their house and pick the brain of a lot of people on things that maybe could be improved or what people really love. Um, so it's I, I love open houses. I love doing those um, for marketing. But, um, you know, there are some people that kind of swoop in. I hear there's a story of I had a, a client once and she said, I went to this open house and the realtor friended me on Facebook 20 minutes after the open house was over. I thought that was really creepy. That's what she said to me. I think that would be creepy. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> there are people who do that. So, you know, if you walk in and you say, oh, we already have a realtor. Her name's Deb Tomorrow. Then um, then they'll kind of leave you alone. Um, and, and then they'll bug me because then they'll call me and say, your client came through the open house. I had that once. It's I told somebody to do that. I wrote an article for the newspaper, and I said that. Just tell them that I'm your realtor. It's fine. And somebody did, and then the, it was like a $500,000 house, and the listing agent kept contacting me and saying, your people came through my open house. What did they think of it? And I'm like, I have no idea who you're talking about. That's pretty funny. So, yeah, that's my little hint on open houses. We'll probably do another show on open houses too. So, Okay, so have I convinced you that you should pick a realtor first before you start calling around? Have I put the fear in you? Pick the realtor first. I think so. Can I get an amen on that? You got an amen on that. All one. right. Thank you. So then the question is, how do you find the right one, the right realtor? Um, and one of the things is interviewing. Um, asking your friends for referrals is a great way to do it. Um, you just can't be a track record with people that you know. Uh, and we're going to come back and talk about this a little bit when we talk about how do you get a realtor to call you back uh, and interview because really, honestly, you are hiring this person to do a job for you, whether you're buying a home or whether you're selling a home. Uh, just last week, I had something happen. There was uh, one of my lead generating systems sends out a lead and it goes to two or three different realtors. Uh, and I always sort of respond with, a, you know, hi, this is who I am. This is my website. I really highly recommend that you interview all the realtors who are contacting you or the ones you think might be a good fit before you make a final decision. Um, just don't pick the first one that comes along. Uh, 
And I think this guy picked the first one that came along, which was fine. And about two days later, he called me and he was like, well, I was working with this guy uh, and had given him a lot of information, spent a lot of time and energy. And then the guy refused to show him a house in the area that, that he wanted to buy in. He said that just wasn't in his service area. And, uh, and so I kind of laughed and I was like, oh, you know, that's why it's a good idea to interview realtors. And then I kind of was like, oh, I think I was a little snarky when I said that. I didn't mean that. And he kind of laughed and he was like, no, no, it's fine. And he kind of got my point um, that uh, that's one of the questions you want to ask when you are um, interviewing realtors. I was going to do a whole segment on questions to ask when you're interviewing realtors. Um, but it became a four-page show unto itself. And so as I was trying to put the show together, I was like, oh, that's too long for a segment. So I'm just going to give you some suggestions, uh, and we'll probably do a future show uh, specifically on um, you know, how to find a good realtor and find a good match and what are good questions to ask. Um, there's a million questions on the Internet. I don't necessarily agree with all of them um, because there aren't right or wrong answers to the questions. So you'll read some things on the internet and it'll say, you know, they need to be a seasoned agent. They need to have sold a certain number of homes. They need to um, use YouTube and Facebook and Instagram to market homes. They need to only work with five clients at a time. They need to prefer red wine over white wine. Um, and, you know, that's there's not a black and white. It's um, what best meets your needs. Sometimes the newer realtors are more focused on you if they've got a good support system. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have a newer realtor. They certainly have a lot more energy and aren't uh, jaded and cranky like some of us that have been in the business for <laughs> a little bit longer. Um, but you should ask some questions about uh, what their availability is, um, how they like to communicate. Those are all things that um, you want to make sure they're a good match. And I love the, and you know, in a past life, I was in some HR positions and um, I did some uh, hiring and I would always ask those darn behavioral based interview questions that stresses everybody out. You say, tell me about a time. Uh, and then you have to, you know, give an example and they would just sit there with a blank stare on their face and I would feel bad for them and probably hire them anyways. But you know, what about asking a realtor, you know, tell me about a time when you had a deal go bad. What happened and how did you handle it? I mean, don't you think you get a lot more useful information <laughs> from that realtor than a question like, how long have you, how many houses have you sold? Absolutely. And I think also when they're asking the realtor questions, it's also showing that potential client just the knowledge that this realtor has, whether it's about the market area, what houses are uh, selling for or what the house down the street recently sold for, but it kind of gives you a little bit of street cred when you're able to to answer, to go over and above that answer. Right, right. Yeah, one of the suggestions I make in my little, I've got a little pamphlet that I've written for uh, uh, questions to ask for an interview is, you know, ask a question about a house in your neighborhood that's sold lately and see if they've kind of done their research or know enough um, to be able to find that answer out. So, um, like I said, I think we're going to talk about that more in a future show, and I'm working on doing a little ebook on that too because I do feel so strongly about um, doing an interview and uh, and and picking the real the right realtor first, and not just you know your cousin's hairdresser's babysitter because you feel a obligation because somehow they're sort of distantly related to you. So we're going to go to, uh, a, I think this is our final break. I've lost track. It must be our final break. Our final break, we're going to come back and I think we might get through all 10 things that you need to know about uh, working with realtors. So stick with us and we will be back in just a few minutes. 
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we're back for our final segment, and we are going to uh, bring it into, what's, what do they say? I don't know my baseball analogies. Bring it into home plate. Oh. Right, yeah. Indiana basketball did not have a great finish to our season. We love Yogi Ferrell, but we are now ready for Indiana baseball and having a great season there. So anyways, I digress. We love sports here in this town. Oh, how do you get a realtor to call you back? Like I said before, two complaints, biggest complaints I hear are they try to get me to spend more than I wanted to spend and they would never call me back. So I have some suggestions and I hope these don't sound snarky. Um, or full of myself, because they're meant quite sincerely. Um, My first recommendation is that if you leave a voicemail, sound legit. Um, Say what you're calling about. Leave some details. Don't just say, and I say all this from experience, I'm calling about that blue house, the one that's got the flowers in front, that's like on the left side of the road. Well, maybe you only specialize in blue houses, so all of your listings could be blue homes. It's funny because the next county over adjacent to us is Green County, Um, one of the most beautiful counties, but it's an interesting place because there's no zoning, and for the longest time, there were no street names until a few years ago. And so it was almost impossible to find homes because everything was, I sold a house and there was a rural, I can't even say it, rural route two, I swear I'm sober, rural route two, uh, box 46. Well, that doesn't tell anybody about anything, right? Poor ambulance drivers. They finally got street names in there. Um, but so, so it was impossible. People like, you know, you know the Black Barn? You know the Black Barn in Greene County? You go past that. Like, this is, these are the calls that you're getting trying to, like, figure out what the house they are talking about. So try to get as much detail as possible. Um, I know our office gets a lot of phone calls from people calling in and that uh, I always hear the office people saying, what's the name on the sign? Do you know? Because they don't, you know, they're trying to figure out what, what's the blue house and we have about 500 listings in our office, you know. So um, definitely, you know, say sound legit, say what you're calling about, leave those details. That's super helpful because then 
when I call back, I'll know and I'll have some answers at hand. Um, one of the things that will really, I think, encourage realtors to call you back is to say that you are pre-qualified for a mortgage. Um, people really struggle with getting pre-qualified. They just don't, I don't know, and we're going to talk about this on a future show, and I'm sure you have strong feelings about this. Um, and I do too. Being pre-qualified is one of the ways that I actually, as a realtor, I protect myself. I make sure that I'm not just meeting a stranger out at a vacant house who is going to, you know, do something awful. Um, and so I often ask people if they're pre-qualified, and they tend to get pretty defensive about it. But if you say you're pre-qualified and you give me the name of the lender you're pre-qualified with, that's a great way to make sure that that realtor knows that you are a serious buyer, that you're not just like, I think that's a pretty house and I want to go look at it, but that you're, I'm ready to buy have anything to add to that lender about being pre-qualified I well I do I think it's definitely a, a one of the first things that you should do after you have interviewed and hired you know and found your realtor that you want to work with because the way I get the way I get involved and maybe I'm like too personally involved but I do want to see this person get into that house and if they have their hopes and dreams and they come to me after they have an accepted offer and there are some things that snuck up on credit or something that would prohibit them from, you know, securing financing with me at that time, it is a very hard conversation to have and you know, I don't say any, you know, I don't say to them, I wish you would have been, you know, pre-qualified first. We maybe could have worked through some of these issues, but it's just, it makes for a very smooth mortgage process if you've already met with a lender. Right. Um, another suggestion on how to get a realtor to call you back is if you were re- referred by a past client, you know, your friend says, hey, you got to call Deb. She's the best realtor out there, that you say that on the voicemail because that certainly helps me, again, know that you are a legit buyer who is, you know, looking to do something and not just sort of casually shopping. Um, and then just, you know, these are kind of basic business things, but give me a few times I can call you back um, or if email and or texting is an option because I have come to abhor phone tag and I feel like I spend my life playing phone tag. Um, and so, you know, sometimes there are other options. Um, also calling during normal-ish business hours. I think everyone knows realtors don't keep normal hours, but when you text me at 11 o'clock at night, um, that's maybe a sure sign that I'm not going to be all that interested in working with you. I had a guy yesterday, he called me at 7 a.m. And then he texted me at 7 a.m. After he left you, a, did he mm-hmm. leave a voicemail? Yep, and then he texted me at 7 a.m. And I eventually did uh, text him back at 9.30. And then I gave him your phone number and told him to call you. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, I don't know if he's legit or not, but it was just like, really, 7 a.m.? Come on. Um, and then the best bit of advice I can say is just have a relationship with a realtor. Not like that, um, but, you know, a business relationship. If you're a buyer and you're just calling around to names on the signs, you know, I have this conversation with my sellers all the time because one of the main complaints you hear from sellers, like a, a seller whose house hasn't sold, they'll say, well, my realtor never showed the house. It was always other realtors showing the house. Well, that's kind of what you want because when on my listing, if someone's calling me, it's because they saw my name on the sign. I don't have an established relationship with them. It's not like they've been out there for a long time seriously looking at homes because they don't have an established relationship with a realtor. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And so I may not, you know, the people that I show my listings to, probably you have a greater chance of 
uh, with someone else who's got this long established relationship with a realtor who's made sure that they're pre-qualified and all that. So um, it just sort of, you know, if you're just calling around randomly, I had a lady today, she called me this morning and I said, can I call you at 1.30? This was 11 o'clock and I, was, I had some deadlines that I was up against. And I said, can I call you at 1.30? And she's like, no, I need to talk to someone right now. And I was like, okay, well, good luck. <laughs> you know, it, it just, and there was just so many things that were just kind of fishy about that conversation um, that it sort of just makes you go, I, I don't know if that's a, a route I want to go down or not. So I hope that doesn't sound like snarky. I it certainly doesn't. try to call I, everybody back. But when you have a list of 10 people that you need to call back in a short period of time, you kind of prioritize the ones that seem more serious and more legitimate. Absolutely. And it's almost, it's almost as if that person, Maybe they just need to get it. They want to go view a home and they want to get in there quickly. Um, It's no different than um, I had someone trying to reach me on a Sunday night, you know, eight o'clock or so. And I wasn't responding via text or answering my phone. And then the following Monday, I called them back and they said, I'm sorry, we found a different lender because you didn't you didn't respond quick enough. So I I don't know, maybe they used an online lender, but, you know, most of us uh, don't work on Sundays. We have on occasions, but um, so, again, that just let me know that that may, may be someone I, I didn't want to work with or have right. the time to right. to meet all of their right. needs. Right. It's kind of a two-way street because I think clients interview us, but then we also need to interview them and make sure that we feel like we can meet their needs, too, and not set ourselves up for failure and frustration. All right, let's keep going, see if we can make it through this list. Um, the Number nine, how do you pronounce realtor? Well, I just pronounce it so we know the answer. But it's so funny how fired up people get about this. When I started in real estate, um, my broker would bring us in at 9 o'clock every morning for like six weeks, and every day we'd sit through two hours of training. But I swear one of the first things he did was he stared at us, pointed his finger at us, and he said, how do you say it? He wrote it on the board. He said, how do you say this word? And we all were kind of like, oh, this is a trick question, right? Where something's up and we try to answer it. And he like made us chant it. Realtor, realtor, realtor. Because people always say realtor, realtor. And which is you know, so weird to me because there's no, there's not an extra A in right. there. Is So, you know, there's, if you go onto YouTube, you can see all these funny videos. And I had Googled some stuff and found some people, uh, realtors, realtors writing really, um, passionate blogs about it so I don't really care as long as you just call me but you know uh, if anybody wants to know it's realtor Um, and then the last thing before we wrap up is how do we open all those doors I had a client and her daughter was always like how do you open all those doors Uh, and there's different systems for um, being used we actually have a bluetooth system on our our phones that we use to get into lock boxes Um, but it's not magic I guess that was the point I wanted to make unless the kids want to believe it's magic Um, next week we are going to talk about lenders Karen are you going to be here I should be here. Uh, You better be here. Uh, (laughs) So we're going to talk about how you pick a lender and what questions you need to ask, kind of that whole interviewing a lender thing. Uh, What are some questions that lenders are going to ask you? So Karen, I will give you your homework assignment so that you can, I know you know all the answers, but you can come with all the info for us. Uh, please remember to find me on Facebook, Deb Tomorrow, a realtor. And you can also find me on Twitter. It's at Deb Tomorrow, D-E-B-T-O-M-A-R-O. Remember what we talked about last week, demand to understand. Are those t-shirts in yet? 
Nope, on order. Okay. Ask those questions when working with a realtor. Make sure you understand the process. And uh, our top tip for today is pick your realtor first. Avoid confusion and hassle and stress if you interview and pick your realtor first. Thank you so much for joining us today. Karen, thank you for joining us. Rachel, as always, it's been a pleasure not hearing you curse on the air. And we will see everyone next week at uh, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.